Hey everybody, welcome to Three Broke Millennials. This is our first installment in this podcast series. My name is Ray Conaway. I'm Afrakia Robertson. And I'm Dominique Willis. We came up with this idea to uh, start this podcast after some very unfortunate circumstances, some <laughs> unusual circumstances that brought us all together here in Afrakia's kitchen. So uh, the purpose of our podcast, pro- bo- <laughs> <laughs> the purpose, <laughs> it's, it's the first show jitters, so you'll probably get a lot of those throughout this first episode. But the purpose of our podcast is to Uh, really bring forward the issues that a lot of millennials of all races um, are facing. A lot, all of us are um, college graduates, Dominique, uh, master's graduate, and Afriki and I, uh, bachelor's, and we're we're all young professionals finding our place in the professional work setting. Uh, But we're not just gonna be talking about that. We're gonna be talking about a wide ranging um, array of social issues, professional, personal, um, that affect just millennials and people, young people trying to navigate through the workforce and through life in general. Uh, so just a little bit more about um, myself and, and uh, my friends, we'll, we'll get to them uh, after I'm done. Uh, born and raised in Baltimore. We, we, do our, we do our podcast live from Baltimore, Maryland, West Side to be correct. Um, and uh, I'm a product of, of Baltimore public schools and whatnot. And um, I work in youth development and really passionate about serving our young people. Who wants to go next? Africa, take it. All right. Um, wow, it's a tough act to follow. Um, she's, my name, she's being <laughs> My name is Africa Robertson. I am born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, the West Side specifically. Um, I am a product of Baltimore City Public Schools. Um, I graduated from the illustrious Baltimore City. Nobody asked. Nobody asked. But you have to know it. Um, Prior to that, I went to prep school in Baltimore, so I have an interesting take on education, um, and that's kind of my forte. Um, I am going to be a first-year teacher here in Baltimore City Public Schools. Um, I'm very passionate about serving our youth um, within the education sphere, so that's where I'm at. Dominique, your go. So they've said a lot. Look, we have all have similar interests. So as Ray stated before, um, I'm a two-time graduate of the illustrious Morgan State University, which led me here by Baltimore. But unlike my friends here, I am not from Baltimore City. Um, I am was born in Silver Spring, Maryland, and raised in Columbia, Maryland. Um, my dad's from DC. My mom's from Kentucky. So I have a, a little bit of suburban, urban, country, a little bit of everything. Um, but like my colleagues, I focus on youth development. Um, I love children, specifically little black, brown boys and girls. Um, I'm a black woman, so I just love to give back to youth and then just know that I'm a part of their village. Um, but this podcast came to fruition just about just from navigating um, the workplace and just realizing the things that we were taught um, in college um, on how to navigate real life and navigate the professional world and just realizing that all those things weren't true. Um, We just wanted a place where we can talk to you guys and have people relate and actually check in with each other. This is kind of like a a safe space and self-care for us as well, just to get our thoughts out, but to be able to share with other people who may have similar thoughts. So we're excited Um, and this is not the last of us. I just want to say I also graduated from the illustrious Morgan State University with a bachelor's degree in history, which is my content area for this for for this school year. 
Raekwon. And I graduated from Bowie State University, the uh, oldest HBCU in the state of Maryland, mm-hmm, by the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but you know, listen, to, to add on to um, what Dominique said, not only are we here to talk to you guys, but we want you to talk to us as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the very cool features that we have with Anchor, which is um, the, the uh, platform that we use to produce this podcast, it allows you to send us voice messages back. So there's a topic that you want us to t- touch on if you want to uh, add some commentary on a topic that we're going to touch on today. We have two, two light topics that we're going to talk about we'd love to hear what you have to say you can also stay in contact with us we all have individual social medias uh, i'm on instagram and twitter at ray underscore conaway c-o-n-a-w-a-y i'm on instagram as well as dominique lovejoy d-o-m-i-n-i-q-e-l-o-v-e-j-o-y and i am on instagram at af underscore r-o-b af underscore rob on instagram so just, you know, connect with us, give us some follows, give us some likes, uh, tell us some things that you want to talk about, because like Dominic said, this is a safe space and we really want to make sure that we're being inclusive in these conversations that we have, because we can't all cover it with, with just the three of us. So we desert, definitely want to hear from you all. So Af, what's our first topic? We have mixed gender cohabitation, which essentially means... Um, Men and women living together as friends. Thank you, Ray. Um, we also have the affordable housing crisis in Baltimore. So we've talked extensively about these two topics over the past weekend. Um, and I think that they're very like intertwined. Um, so I think we should jump into our first topic, um, mixed gender cohabitation. So let's just go around and say like our standpoint on men and women living together in a platonic setting or like if they have a platonic relationship. I personally don't have a problem with men and li- men and women living together um, if they have like a platonic relationship. Um, I've considered living with male friends of mine. Um, my best friend before he moved to New York, I considered living with him. Um, so who wants to go? Go ahead. So this is like a tricky subject just because it can vary on like how long you've known the person or if you haven't. I just... I don't know it varies for me so of course I, growing up I hung with I guess majority of girls and guys but when I was with my guy friends of course they treated me like a sister they were always looking out um had my back had my best interest in heart um but then you know that there's nights where guys find a girl that they like they want to entertain her I just feel like there's a lot of drama that comes behind it um as far as like if they want to entertain a female and then say they start dating a young lady and then the young lady is intimidated by you now you're uncomfortable in your own house um or even if one of your roommates who you may not have even known that long they have a drunk night you become appealing to them um and you know god forbid something happens and then you're violated or you know push way beyond your your comfort level um i just think it's a tricky situation I don't know. I can't give a straight answer. You, no, I agree with that. I'm not completely against it, and I'm not saying that it's 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 completely not possible. But I think before there's any agreement that's made, or or, or honestly, before there's any parameters set around the idea of entertaining that, I think there just has to be some really clear boundaries and expectations that have to be set where. Um, if, 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 a, if a male and a female um, are living together in a platonic uh, manner, um, there's a clear understanding that uh, we're here because, you know, there's a, a friendship that's 
a bit stronger than a typical friendship. And so we, there's some comfort that we both share to be in this presence because living with someone is, that's that's next level friendship. Yeah. Like of course you got your people that you hang work with, with and hang out with, you know, you go to a you know social gathering together and you know, you might invite them over to your house, but to live with someone, um, that's a whole nother ball game. And literally this is the person, not saying that you're physically waking up next to them every morning, but this is someone who you're sharing a space with um, every morning and every night. And right. so just making sure that uh, the expectations, the respect, the boundaries are very clear and defined and there's no ambiguity about them um, is I think that's the first step before there's even a conversation of, hey, let's look at what's out there for us to, 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 to you know, see what's available. Okay. Um, so for me, this is a question that I posed on my close friend's story. Um, this weekend and it was kind of like mixed reviews. I talked to y'all about it um, before I even asked it for my close friends but when I posed it on my close friends it was like all right well one of my friends she was like you you're not grown like no you can't live with a guy and a girl I mean I got two guys um, and be a woman in that setting and I think that some of the answers that I got back were like really based in the idea that there would be like a romantic component that might develop um so i guess like my question is do gen do you think that gender conventions um or ideas that we have about like men and women being able to have platonic relationships and then like that creating a romantic relationship do you think that that shapes how people see mixed gender cohabitation um uh, well a, a yes and a no Okay. Uh, because it, 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 speaking from my cisgender heterosexual okay. male experience, go on. Um, it, okay. it, it, I mean, just just looking at and, and like I, I briefly mentioned, like just looking at how boys are socialized mm -hmm. um, from older male figures, uncles, older cousins, brothers, fathers. fathers. Um, just the social socialization that comes around the treatment of young ladies and women period it, it being being I'm, I'm gonna be very vulnerable at this moment but we we have a very problematic so socialization process where as boys when we're when we're raised we are um, you know thought and and kind of uh, Cohorse to think that women are prizes, young ladies are prizes. You know, when you when you hear the conversations that you know, that that we all work in youth development, so we've worked with with, with young people. You, you listen to some of the conversations that some of our boys have on the playground. It's like, oh, my girlfriend's cuter than yours, or mm -hmm. we've been together, you know, longer, or mm -hmm. you know, my girlfriend's bad, or whatever. whatever. That social is that social socialization of thinking of women and girls as prizes is very problematic mm -hmm. in 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 the culture that um, men produce and, and perpetuate. And so, yes, it's possible. But if we want to make it uh, where there is respect both ways, men have to be accountable about perpetuating that and check that at the door mm -hmm. and and understand that their their behavior sometimes gives off that impression that very uh, true coming off as as you know thinking of women as, and, and girls as prizes because i can really feel like you know if you're hanging with the guys and they're like you're you walking as a female in a room and everybody's like oh damn like mm -hmm. she looks good like mm -hmm. you hitting that like you know yeah. just guys yeah. being yeah. guys yeah. Yeah. and 
You know, you may have a guy who's not secure in his masculinity and wants to embellish or lie, mm-hmm. you know, or you may have a guy who may be able to set that boundary, but like those are both large ifs. Mm-hmm. Um, or just being able to try and, or wanting to try and impress his friends and be like, oh, yep. yeah, I can get her, you know, and then yep. they push on exactly. you and then it turns into a whole situation. Exactly. Um, but I think it again goes back to that boundary setting. Like, we're friends, or this is this, or this is a business transaction versus mm-hmm. just a cohabitation situation. Like, mm-hmm. I think boundaries are what are important, especially if you don't know this person yeah. or if it is somebody you know for a long time. Like, is there tension there, like sexual tension there? Mm-hmm. Or are we just truly friends? Because um, I know one of the examples you brought to us, if you were like, you know, my longtime best friend of nine years, like yeah. we've thought about it. It's like, OK, yeah, that's your that's that's my brother. Know, at this yeah, point. that's your mama's son. Like, you know, we all got friends that become, you know, your parents, children. But. You know, you go through a journey with somebody, you know, you've been in a training camp for however long. You feel like you know people, but you know people in a professional setting. You Absolutely. don't know what they look like in their downtime. Absolutely. You don't know how they keep up with themselves or their mm-hmm. things. Like, yeah. No, I get that. Um, I think that, like, it's also interesting that we've kind of, like, talked around even in this, like, topic. Um, like, you talked about it, right? The socialization of boys, but also talking about... Um, I guess, like, what I'm trying to say is, like, you know, Dominique, you said you don't know what could happen on, like, a night where, like, the guy might test his, like, boundaries or whatever, a drunken night or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, I think that, like, also my question is, um, it's around, like, rape culture. So, I think, I feel like that's a heavy one to, like, jump into. Uh, And I didn't want to say anything, like, when we were texting about it, because it's a sensitive. Now, I picked it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, that was my next thing. Mm -hmm. It definitely leads Mm -hmm. down into that avenue, because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, it's fine. Um, so I think like the example that I gave with cohabitation that we like talked about um, over the weekend in our chat was like a girl living with two guys. Um, and for me, like I process, I used to watch Three's Company all the time as a kid. So I'm like, it's just Three's Company in reverse. It's just like two Jacks and a Chrissy or a Janet. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't think of it in that way, but I think that like in the back of my mind thinking like two guys in a house it's like okay um depending on how well you know them and depending on like the circumstances um it could be an issue where like like you said god forbid something happened but i think that that plays into like how we process like rape culture and things like that um and for me it's like it's like why can't for me, if I, and I said this to y'all, why can't I experience being frugal and like the the pleasures of inexpensive shared rent just because of, um, you know, like how we don't, yeah, because of my gender and because like of how we attack rape culture. And I think that living in a space where it would be two guys, I think my expectation would be, um, you know, at least like both of the guys holding each other accountable for their interactions mm-hmm. with a woman mm-hmm. um in a space where she's supposed to feel comfortable because it's her home Absolutely. um but it's like how do you navigate that because like you said right too like um it can be very different when there are two men in a setting and mm-hmm. it's like one woman so navigating that issue of like rape culture and how we like kind of tackle those things um as 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 a part of like the idea of mixed gender cohabitation yeah if my question or like talking around it was clear no 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 that rape culture piece is is a really big really really big aspect that we just we just simply cannot ignore it it, i think uh 
the socialization, mm -hmm. the boundaries, all of that are, all of those are the preventative measures mm -hmm. that really need to be established in order for it to ever reach that level where you are experiencing as a woman, you are experiencing, you know, microaggressions, sexual advances, um, the, the, all of those things that lead to the uncomfortability and, and the eventual um, creation of an, of an environment where, it, like you said, this is your house, but you don't feel comfortable. This is, this is your dwelling, but you don't feel comfortable. It's, it's uh, the rape culture piece is a really big, really, really big piece. Yeah. Well, listen, we want to hear from you. So make sure uh, if you, if you'd like, send us a voice message on this. We'll be sure to share it in our, in our next uh, review segment for the next installation. And we're going to move on to our next topic, which is like I've said, somewhat connected around uh, housing, affordable housing in Baltimore. Um, so, yeah, I think that for me, um, we talked about it with regard to like mixed gender cohabitation. And I said it, you know, um, why can't I like get the luxuries of living somewhere nice um, just because like gender conventions uh, might prohibit me living there. And I think that for me, it's like there are really nice places to live in Baltimore, um, but I also don't want to break my bank um, mm -hmm. as like you know, this being like my first official job and like having a nice salary. Um, I don't want to break the bank and I still want to be able to like do fun things sure. with my friends, yeah. but also like live outside my home um, and on my own, but not for an exorbitant price. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dominique, you know, earlier this year and, and part of last year, you were, you were doing your research on testing the housing market. Yeah. And, and so that's, I guess it kind of leads me to a question. Is it more so about affordable housing or not maybe not even an or maybe so an and mm -hmm. um budgeting and saving habits because to some people like i live in howard county which is one of the richest counties in the state of maryland the richest yeah um and so i know damn well excuse me but i'm probably gonna be the one that's cussing like a sailor all the time <laughs> but um i can't afford anything there um and so I knew that if I wanted to buy a house, my mom always instilled in me just growing up that she never wanted me to rent anything. If she mm -hmm. could go back and tell herself anything, it would be not to get an apartment. Why pay all this money into, you know, building someone else's credit ultimately because that's their structure, that's their asset when you can buy your own asset. So I was mm -hmm. given the privilege to stay at home post-grad um, and save money in order to buy my own assets. And so in looking, Baltimore was an affordable place for me. So I have friends who are looking for houses in PG, um, Waldorf, DC. I know that I can't afford that. So when we're talking about comparison, I know that I could get something for 180,000 here in Baltimore that they're not gonna see yeah, that in DC. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it it's combined. Um, I, for me, I think the conversation will go more into budgeting versus affordable housing. And that's just me. That's just my that's just my take. I mean, no, the budgeting piece is really big because if you look at if you look at if you look at housing, the access to housing, people who look like us, young, black, black professionals, people who have uh, education past high school, mm -hmm. uh, it's a struggle mm -hmm. uh, because there's really not a there's really not a um, a uh, employment tide here that's 
very beneficial to us. Mm -hmm. um, and and the, the, the jobs that we do find, you know, they're really entry level salaries mm -hmm. where you do have to make the decision of, geez, I, I really can't afford to live on my own. So living with someone is, is my pro probably my best and only option. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the budgeting is really real because think about the people who aren't like us, the people mm -hmm. who have a high school diploma. But that, that's and, where it gets into because yeah. I'm looking, I got two degrees and it's people before I even had one that had apartments mm -hmm. and were yep. living well yeah. and blessed. Well, that's another topic for a podcast at a later <laughs> day. But when I was receiving my full-time salary, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I was living better than some people who were maintaining or even like there's some people younger than me who have just now purchased houses and yeah. i'm like how they do that because i know i make more than them um but i think it again when you speak about baltimore specifically let's get into some history let's talk about some real things which is Ooh. redlining mm -hmm. all right uh, mm -hmm. which originated here yeah so you got your white l you got your black butterfly you got these opportunity zones mm -hmm. um the investment and disinvestment of certain neighborhoods, development yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, if we really go into it, we go into it. And then it's kind of like a pro and con, depending on how you're looking at it. So for me, I'm not from Baltimore. And I think that's where maybe we might also see a difference mm -hmm. in opinions here, too. Um, I live in Howard County. I know I can't afford anything there. I look at Baltimore, I see opportunity. Um, a part of my mind kind of has like a developer sense, like, well, this is great. I could buy that for nothing, mm -hmm. build it up. Mm -hmm. Um and so where I see opportunity, where someone versus like you guys, maybe you can give me that point of view, you living here and still feeling like maybe that's not attainable. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I think like the idea is if you're from here and this also goes into like uh, class and like socioeconomic status of like being from Baltimore. Um, so like I never, the only places I thought, um, or like heard my mom talk about, you know, buying another house after she sells like this one, um, like she's always wanted to live in Guilford and like mm -hmm. Roland Park, like those neighborhoods. Yeah. And I think for certain people of a certain class status, you aspire to live in certain neighborhoods because not only does it denote class, mm -hmm. um, but if you have a certain amount of like wealth you're not gonna live in the neighborhoods that are not seeing like economic development, mm -hmm. that you don't have access to things. And I really didn't understand when I was younger, but my mother was like, you know, um, I don't ever wanna live in a neighborhood where they don't deliver to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't ever wanna live in a neighborhood where, you know, we don't even go to the supermarket that's literally a block away from my house. Mm -hmm. My mom goes to Wegmans or she goes to Whole Foods or she goes to Moms, which we now have a Moms that's closer, but it's still not in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it's like wanting to live in a neighborhood that has access to those things. Mm -hmm. And the neighborhoods that have access to those things still in Baltimore are not affordable to me Absolutely. right now. Absolutely, mm -hmm. that's very true. And, and, and I can really re relate to that. I live in South Baltimore, I live in Curtis Bay. Um, Curtis Bay in Brooklyn and South Baltimore have one of the highest uh, housing prices indexes in in um, the city of Baltimore. Like mm -hmm. affordable housing is is slim to none in mm -hmm. in the neighborhoods uh, uh, in Curtis Bay and Brooklyn. And so in Curtis Bay, where it's the most southern cusp of Baltimore City, mm -hmm. I mean, if you go any further south of Curtis Bay, you hit Glen Burnie, which is Anne Arundel County. That's where my mom and I shop. 
We shop mm -hmm. at the grocery store in, in Glen Burnie at the Giants because that's an option. Very nice store, mm -hmm. recently remodeled, beautiful interior, you know, great, you know, uh, produce and, and healthy options, all of that. That just goes back into what you talked about, about class. Mm -hmm. What about the people who aren't blessed yeah, like me and my mom? Right. People who aren't blessed like me and my mom, we have a two car household. But, you know, if, if we're talking about a single mother mm -hmm. who doesn't make enough money to purchase a car and maybe perhaps has two children that are dependent upon her. Uh, how do you balance that? Mm -hmm. How do you balance the healthy options that you and your children need, need to eat? Yeah. How do you balance the safety of your children? Because if your neighborhood isn't safe, that's a whole nother thing about housing here in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. There's a trend that um, the safe neighborhoods cost. Lord knows. It costs to live in a safe neighborhood in Baltimore. You're going to pay for safety. You're going to pay for safety 1500 a month. 16, 1700 yeah. a month. Yeah. You yeah. find that the the the, the uh, apartments that you can come across, and we didn't talk about private landlords. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about those th those that you do come across where you might look up and get a 600 or $700 rent. They're not in the safest neighborhoods. No. They're yeah. not in the neighborhoods with the most resources. Yeah, They're yeah. not in the neighborhoods with you know the most uh, proficient schools. Mm -hmm. And so it's really unfortunate that Baltimoreans, People who go through the struggle in Baltimore, you know, somehow prevail and make, you know, do for themselves and get an education and get a, make a career. It's hard that that's a decision. It, it's, it's unfair that that's a decision they have to make. Yeah. Do yeah. I live in an unsafe neighborhood because it's unaffordable or do I live paycheck to paycheck because I've seen people get robbed on their way home? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've seen people not feel safe. Mm -hmm. I've heard the stories my parents told me about coming home late yeah. at night. Mm -hmm. Do I break the bank so I can avoid that and live in this quote unquote safe neighborhood? Or do I just bite the bullet and say, look, this is what I can afford. It's not the safest neighborhood, but this is what what's working for me right yeah. now. I, I don't think anyone should have to Yeah, I that. agree. That's not fair. I literally, so spending more and more time in Baltimore due to college and just kind of making this my second home post-graduation, um, that's what I told my mom. And she's like, growing up, she's like, you know, you pay for the safety. So Absolutely. like when I, we lived in Silver Spring, um, and my mom was like, no, I'm not doing this. Like, you know, once I had you, me and your dad were finished. I'm like, I'm not keeping my child here. You couldn't even go in the playground mm -hmm. to play because someone's smoking or the teens are doing whatever they're doing. And I wanted you to be able to be safe. And she's like, we pay for our safety. Absolutely. We pay for this smooth road. We pay for like, you know, all these mm -hmm. things. And just um, thinking about- You pay for your trash to get picked up on time. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you for mm -hmm. speaking trash. It mm -hmm. goes um, reading- I read this book, The B-Side by Dee Watkins, which yes, is a Lord. Baltimore author. Um, and he spoke about, you know, he's from East Baltimore, which is like, y'all West Side. East Baltimore. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you know, I play, you know, East Side, you know, East Side all day. But um, he spoke about like, you know, living on the East Side. Then when he went to Loyola and like, you know, he was really pushing his hustle life. Um, and was able to get housing in like a rich white neighborhood mm -hmm. and how if there was a piece of trash that trash was going to be gone instantly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so he did like a a test like his own little research and he went back to his hood and he jumped the bag of trash and it sat there for about a week or two wow. did the same thing in the neighborhood in the rich white neighborhood and it was gone the next day mm -hmm. um and so like you said it's not fair that people's safety like safety is should not be an option yeah an yeah. option like that that should be a right you know Absolutely. just because you can't afford it and this is like the same system that's oppressing that has put you there is oppressing you and keeping you there mm -hmm. so it's like you never really can get out which is like a messed up yeah 
Yeah. It just yeah. speaks. It just speaks yeah. to. It just speaks to inequities that are instilled in Baltimore's roots, and, and we just started here. Yeah, and, redlining. And we haven't done a good enough thing. job of identifying, addressing, and rectifying. It. Yeah, um, I think to like Dominique's point, like it's really interesting um, when you look at redlining. Like, of course, redlining is it's outlawed and I use air quotes because it's outlawed now. But when you look at the development mm-hmm. of Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, it's not yeah. outlawed. It's still very Even evident. West Baltimore, West Baltimore. The transit and yeah. all of those things, the way the highways are set up, they're mm-hmm. set up on the outside of these places mm-hmm. that are run down. So people don't even have to see, see them. them. And then those communities just continue to take a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. Yeah, it's, don't make me pull up Benia here in the Baltimore neighborhood. <laughs> Alliance indicator, pull up all them steps. There's like walk scores, and it's like, yeah. even if you're looking, and this is, I guess it's, we're going like even outside of the housing, but like even food access. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. In those neighborhoods. Yeah. Absolutely. In those neighborhoods, um, it, it's, it's even worse. Like if you look at some of the stats, the way it's written, I, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. I just did a research project on it. But the walk scores, which are considered like things that you can walk to or like that food access, mm-hmm. and there, it makes it seem like there are a lot of fast food restaurants where you can just go to Absolutely. or markets you can just go to. Whereas like there isn't a McDonald's on every corner. There might be some if you're in a, mm-hmm. a kind of good area, but you're usually going to Ling Ling's carry out mm-hmm. or you're going to like Miss Sarah's that's on the corner. You're not... It, there's no access to those things. You really are driving to get there. Yeah. Um, so I was like, live cheap and like fake the funk, or do you pay for quality yeah. and hurt yourself? Again, that same. It's it, 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 you know you know the the saying you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Literally, uh, but but yeah. when it comes to housing, mm-hmm. you shouldn't you, sh- you shouldn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to negotiate safety. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to negotiate you know resources and and schooling and investment and, and development, all of those things. Like we're talking about. We're talking about an investment in itself, mm-hmm. property taxes, mm-hmm. you know, c- contributing to the unique culture of your neighborhood. Baltimore is a city of neighborhoods and mm-hmm. each neighborhood mm-hmm. has its uniqueness. We're, we're, we're doing this po- podcast from Afrikia's home uh, in uh, West Baltimore off of Alcatraz Terrace, like a very historic. Don't be telling them what she did. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Oh, you know, a very, a, very historic, a very historic West Baltimore neighborhood that was, you know, very um uh big to african american residents and and you know the fact that uh Akatrali terrace and some parts haven't seen the fair development that it deserves um is unfortunate and and it's and it's upsetting now when we talk about development we often also have to make sure that that development doesn't lead to gentrification let me tell you because we don't we we don't need any more of that let not, me in tell you. not in Baltimore. Um, I think that Akintrali, like, I've grown up here, um, literally was brought here from the hospital. Um, so to watch, like, how the neighborhood panned out, like, there were certain things that, um, when my mother talked about, like, development, and my mother talked about, like, you know, um, all those things and wanting to see those things, I was too young to understand mm-hmm, it. Um, but now I'm at an age where, like, I finally get what she wanted. I finally get that, like, you know, having these things excuse me, increases your property value, all those mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. And those are things that typically black neighborhoods, even though I live in a very nice um, black neighborhood, um, I think that that's also an interesting topic. Um, but 
I think that those are things that black neighborhoods don't get to see, no matter how nice they are, because black people aren't afforded those opportunities. Um, And I think that for me, like now that we're seeing certain development, um, I'm recognizing those things as gentrification. Like, uh, you know, there's a bluegrass festival in the park. Um, Nobody around here listens to bluegrass. Like my neighbors don't listen to bluegrass. I don't listen to bluegrass. Um, (laughs) The only people who come to this bluegrass festival are like younger white people. Are younger white people, um, and they're coming here for a reason. They're coming here for this festival. And then when you look at the development that's taking place um, with, like, regard to revitalizing some of the homes in my neighborhood, um, those are things that when you look at how much the apartments are going to cost for, like, revitalizing a building that you're going to now put like apartments in, those are not apartments that people can afford. Who um, don't make a certain amount of money who don't have a certain i would say education plays a lot into like your access to wealth and things like that Mm -hmm. um so these are people who you're looking for a certain type of person and i remember when they were unveiling this new building in my neighborhood um that they're gonna like start revitalizing it's a historic building um they talked about how much the apartments were going to cost and the only people i can count on my hands how many black people were there it was my neighbors like it was my neighbor who we call the mayor because he is um he's the mayor of our block um it was our neighborhood association president um and it was the neighborhood association president from a neighboring association um and it was one other black man and he was looking to buy in um and myself the rest of the people there were young white people some older white people but they were looking because this was finally going to be their opportunity to get into this neighborhood white people didn't typically want to live here but now that they can recognize that revitalization is happening for me it was like this kind of hinges on gentrification because when you're creating these spaces where the people who typically lived here their children won't be able to buy into this yeah, neighborhood. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the people who live on the outskirts of this neighborhood, they won't be able to buy into this neighborhood. That's a problem for me. And it makes me wonder like, what my neighborhood will look like in 20 years. Will I be living here? Will my kids be able to buy into this neighborhood? Will I be able to buy into this neighborhood 20 years from now? And I think that that's a really interesting thing with like the affordable housing crisis in Baltimore is people whose grandparents lived in certain neighborhoods, they can't buy into the neighborhoods that their grandparents lived in because they're now being gentrified and revitalized. Nobody says gentrification here, but it's gentrification here. I don't care what you say is revitalization, it's gentrification. Um, So that's kind of an interesting thing for me is looking at how my neighborhood is changing and how it's hedging on gentrification. Um, So that's kind of like my spiel about it. Yeah, and we wanna hear from you too. Be sure to uh, send in those voice messages. Tell us about your, your search in affordable housing in Baltimore. Tell us what uh, luck or no luck you've had in, in finding uh, places for you to invest in. Tell us about, you know, if you're looking to, to uh, go back to your own communities, what has that process been like? Uh, be sure to leave your name and, and, and your location so we can give you the, your appropriate recognition. And um, if you guys follow, it's Dominique. If you guys follow me on Instagram at Dominique Lovejoy on Tuesdays, I do like a Let's Talk Tuesday, but I'll be putting um our topics on my story so you guys can tune in as well so people have been um leaving their thoughts so just keep it flowing keep it going yeah keep it flowing keep, keep it, it going. going there we go you got a tagline for the show <laughs> 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 what girls that was our first podcast Woo!
Ew. We, we did, did it. it. We did it. <laughs> of course, we'll, we'll, we'll do it more smoother next time. Okay. But, but again, you know, tell your friends, give us a share, make sure you, you tune in. We're going to try our best to do this, you know, weekly, but Africa the only one with a job right now. Oh, so, it's okay. So, <laughs> so we gonna work it out. We gonna work it out. But um, really enjoy you guys listening, and we hope you come back to us next time. Uh, for again, for uh, three broke millennials, I'm Ray Conway. I'm Dominique Willis. I'm Africa Robertson. Um, I'm gonna make the same plug as Dominique. If you would like to share some topics with me on Instagram, my Instagram is af underscore rob. Um, ask Rob on Instagram and share some topics with me. And that's yeah. going to be the last time y'all hear my last name or my full first name. And and y'all can just help me get more followers because I'm not that popping though. So just, yeah, at Ray, <laughs> at Ray underscore, underscore Conway, C-O-N-A-W-A-Y, not Conway. I, I'm, not, I'm not related to Kellyanne at the White House. Thanks. <laughs> and that-